Welcome to the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. Our goal is to serve and encourage you as you build a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as we study the Word of God together in this week's episode. Or start Matthew 28. Tonight, I, I really kind of want us, I, I want to ask the question, how do you make a disciple? And I know that that sounds like a really basic question, really basic answer. You go out and you evangelize. That's cool. If we know that that's what it takes, then why aren't we doing it? What does our evangelism look like? Um, what does loving people look like? Because we have to remember that Sometimes, um, when we think about discipleship, a lot of the times, I know for me in the past, it's always been, well, I'm going to go to other Christians and I'm going to disciple them as long as they already believe, right? That's typical westernized mindset. Um, that's not how a lot of the church is doing things in the rest of the world where Christianity is illegal. They are discipling people into salvation and then taking it further into discipleship once they're, once they're saved, and then it's discipling into sanctification, right? And so uh, tonight, I, I want to go over the Great Commission again because this is our, this is our mission. We have to keep the, the mission, the vision of God in front of us. This is what we are meant to be doing, right? And then I want to I look at some scriptures of Jesus calling his disciples and talk about the life he lived with them for the three years that he lived with them. And then after that, I want to look at Acts 2, and begin to break down what the life of disciples were and what it looked like in the New Testament. Because as much as the Gospels are in the New Testament, the New Testament or the New Covenant didn't actually begin until Jesus died and was resurrected. Right? So even though this is in the New Testament chronologically, it's still technically the Old Covenant. And so there are things that Jesus did that I think we need to learn from because He is God. Right? Um, but when it comes to the fruition of those things and how they played out in the life of actual disciples of Jesus, there are specifics that Acts gets into that you don't necessarily see Jesus doing all the time. You see glimpses, but it's not an all-the-time thing. So, <clears throat> um, let's start in verse, I know I said 15, we're going to jump up to 18, actually. Matthew 28, verse 18 says, uh, Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. All right, so our mission is to go therefore. Because all authority has been given to Jesus on heaven and on earth, we are supposed to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now, I, I believe, too, that it's not just baptism in water. We need to baptize them in the Holy Ghost. Um, and then, 
teaching them to observe all the things that Jesus commanded them. Um, that is how you go. That is the process of discipleship. You go and you make, right? Bring them into the kingdom. You, you have them die with Christ. You have them rise with Christ in the water. You have them baptized in the Holy Spirit so that they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you teach them to observe the things of Jesus so that they learn how to be obedient and become sanctified. That is the process of our life as believers. That is the process of uh, disciple making, you know. Um, so the, the question tonight is, like, we see it on paper, but how do we do it practically? Right? How do we do it practically? Um, <clears throat> let's go to Matthew 4. I think, um, you know, as I've, as I've been talking to some of you guys about um, just really encouraging, you know, some of us to seek out mentors for our lives, even if it's just for a season, even if it's just from just for a specific subject. Um, the reason why I'm doing that is because we need to learn how to be disciples. And that's a big thing. We can't create disciples if we're not disciples. And we can say, oh, well, I'm the disciple of Jesus. Well, that's great, but Jesus told us to be discipled by his body, by his church. Jesus um, taught us to care for one another and bear each other's burdens. And if we are not willing to receive from someone who has gone before us in any particular area, if we are not willing to submit to someone else and submit to their authority, then how, do we, how could we ever expect that anyone else would submit to ours? when we want to go out and make disciples. It's just not going to happen. We reap what we sow, right? So, um, what was my point to that? How do we do it practically? How do we do it practically? One of the ways that I want you guys to learn how to do it practically is just by being a disciple. If we cannot learn how to be disciples, again, then we can't, we, we won't effectively know how to disciple anybody else. Um, you can't, Right. You can't take anybody down the road that you haven't already been down. Right? Not well anyway. You can try, but there are going to be way more bumps and hiccups than you want that than than you want to be. Right? So, um, let's look at how Jesus did things. How how did Jesus make disciples? Matthew 4, we're going to start in verse 18. It says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, throwing a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, his father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left their boat and their father and followed him. Crazy. I mean... I know Jesus is the Son of God and all, and He's uh, got all kinds of authority. But it's crazy to me that He was just able to go, hey, you guys over there, come with me. I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. And they were like, yeah, that sounds good. And just dropping everything. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. I'm going to take a look at the Synoptic Gospels first so you guys kind of get this, and then we're going to look at John chapter 1 eventually too. 
starting in verse 16 of Mark 1, it says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, throwing a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who were in a boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their, fa- their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Right? It's good. Um, let's go to Luke 5. Um, so let's do uh, verse 27 of Luke 5 and it says after these things he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax collector's station and he said to him follow me and he left everything and rose up and followed him Um, and then Levi made him a great feast in his house And there was a group of many tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes, but their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered answered them, Those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Um. I like this example a lot, and we're we're going to get into that in a few minutes. Let's go to let's go to John one first, so we have a full idea of Jesus just calling everybody. John one verse. Um, we're going to start in verse thirty-five, and the reason well, the reason why we're covering a little bit from each gospel and covering different disciples is because you're going to see this when you go out and we start disciple people practically. People are different. The thing that calls me into discipleship with someone isn't going to be the thing that calls you. We have different values. I mean, well, let me rephrase that. We have many, many, many of the same values because we're in the kingdom of God, right? Maybe we don't have exactly the same because we're in different places in our maturity, in our walk. There are some things that we just don't understand yet. Like, let's just be honest about that and be humble, right? But in the things that we all value the same, there are going to be aspects of the character of God and things that I am more interested in learning than you because we're in different seasons, right? And, and if, we're, if we're not even saved yet, like, we have to keep in mind that these guys... Some of them know who Jesus is, and that's why they're dropping everything and they're following. Some of them aren't quite sure yet, and we're, we're about to read an example of that, right? So um, when we go out, when we try to make disciples, it's important that we know how to be all things to all men and figure out what is going to call them, what aspect of the Lord is going to call them, right? That's why uh, for those of us who, who, who come over and hang out with us on Saturdays, that's why we went through so much prophetic training. That's why we went through the prophetic exercises and the prophetic games so that you guys could figure out how to hear the Lord from someone else. What was the point of the game that we did when we were blindfolded? We blindfolded ourselves so that it didn't matter who was in front of us. It didn't matter. All that mattered was 
us being the representatives of God got to touch the person in front of us and know this is a child, this is what God is saying about this person. When we go out and we pray for people, we make disciples, if they are a person of peace and they let us pray for them, are we hearing from the Lord so that we're bringing them in? Or is it just a standard prayer? Standard prayers aren't bad, but if they're just standard blanket prayers, the personal touch of the Lord isn't on it. And that's not, that's not necessarily, I don't want you guys to feel like there's a lot of pressure for you to get it right all the time, because in the kingdom of God, there's so much room for failure when you're trying and your heart is in the right place. But what I do want to say is, us as being disciples, there are two main things about our walk that matter most. I learned this from Don Coleman and one of his spiritual, spiritual kids the other day, which Don bragged on him after he left. This guy's the head of pediatrics at MCV. Like, just crazy. I didn't know, like, Don had those connections, but that just blows my mind. He said, in, in, in our walk, there are two things that matter. Are we hearing the Lord more clearly every day, and are we learning to love more deeply every day? Those two things matter when we go out and we make disciples, right? So, anyway, uh, verse 35, John 1. <clears throat> Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. Looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, Come and see. So they came and saw where he stayed and remained with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, the son of John. Uh, you shall be called uh, Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Peter found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him who, of whom Moses in the law, as well as the prophets, wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said concerning him, Here is an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Really powerful set of verses, right? I mean, Jesus just straight up addresses three or four disciples in this passage, very personally, um, which I like a lot. So let's talk about this. Let's, let's talk about this idea of calling. How do we call people in, right? I'm not talking necessarily about, um, <clears throat> this has to do with discipleship, and we'll get into more specific discipleship later on. Um, but I just, I, I just want to ask the basic question here. How is Jesus calling these people? Um, there are a couple things that I want to point out. 
In the first two accounts that we read in Matthew and Mark, very specifically, Jesus is addressing what they're doing. He's make, not only is he making himself available and saying, come follow me, but he's looking directly at what is important to them. Um, you have to keep in mind, in ancient Judaism, they were uh, <clears throat> classed by two different things. What tribe they were a part of and what they did as a job. That's why no one likes shepherds and that's why God chose shepherds to be one of the greatest examples of leadership in the Bible. Shepherds were always like second-class citizens. That's why David's story is so important. Not only that, but because of some of the Psalms that he wrote, many people think that he was a bastard child and was sent out into the field so that the family wouldn't have to deal with him, which is another thing entirely, right? Like, but <clears throat> what I think is interesting here is that Jesus went to their workplace, right? I think one of the reasons why I love working in the secular world and and this isn't me patting myself on the back because I've messed up a lot like so don't don't think that I'm trying to puff myself up here I'm letting you know I like some I like this I like this because it puts me in front of non-believers on a regular basis that I have to work up the courage to minister to I'm not scared of that stuff as much as I was when I was younger now there are sometimes with some people that I still get a little nervous, you know, um, when people come in and are already like fully sold out to paganism or witchcraft, I've got a couple people like that now that I'm ministering to and, and, uh, it's taken a little longer than others. Um, but you know, I, I love being there because I don't have to go looking for you know, if we're going to be fishers of men, right? Using that same analogy, I don't have to go looking for an ocean rich, of, rich with fish. I'm already in one. I'm already there, right? We're looking how to learn how to make disciples. We need to start with where we're at. We need to start with where we're at. You know, um, the goal is, right? The goal is to get all of us moved into the neighborhood eventually, or or most of us for the most part. So we can be here to effectively get to know our neighbors and have change, right? But in the meantime, what else does a church need to survive? Well, we need funds. And so if you're ministering to somebody and they, you're able to disciple them at work and bring them to church and they like it here, cool. I'm not going to kick them out, especially if they're, they're, they're part of the vision. They want to they pursue this, right? And I mean, we're going to do, like, don't get me wrong. We're going to do it without money. I don't care about the money. Would it be nice? Sure would. But... I've done house church ministry long enough and was a youth pastor long enough to know, like, if God's called me, I'm going to do it without the money. With, with or without the money, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen because the Holy Spirit's on it, right? So with or without it, we're going to do it. But, you know, when it comes to where we're at and learning to be where we're at and learning to be comfortable with the Holy Spirit, where we are at each and every day, relying on Him in every single moment, where are we at most of the time throughout the week? We're at work. You could say, oh, well, I'm at home most of the week. Well, let's be honest. When you're home most of the time throughout the week, what are you doing? You're probably sleeping, right? When it comes to actually being out in the day, five days a week, six days if you have to work overtime, where are you at? You're at work. If you're lucky enough to go to the office or be in a job where you're around people, man, how great is that? <clears throat> Pool's easy to find, right? Jesus went out and had to find it. Jesus... I mean, he did it very intentionally. But what I'm saying is that, like, if Jesus is our model and the first disciples that he called, he modeled by going to their workplace. 
man, if we're already in a workplace, woo, we got it made, right? So first two accounts, workplace ministry, man. If we're in the workplace, praise the Lord. If we're ministers in the workplace, I, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, cherish that time. If you're trying to go full-time ministry, cherish that time. Once you're in full-time ministry and you're stuck in a, in a church building all day or like doing meetings with people that you're already shepherding or having to meet with other pastors in order to organize big things, like you don't get that opportunity anymore, right? That's why we're supposed to train up the saints to do the work of the ministry, right? So, and what did he say to them? He made it very practical. You're fishing. If you come with me, you won't have to fish for fish anymore. I'll make you fishers of men. Bring them into the kingdom. Easy peasy. Jesus, um, <clears throat> Jesus showed them uh, that they belonged with him before they actually believed in him. How long did it take them to fully admit that he was the son of God? Well, for Nathaniel, it was pretty quick, right? For some of them who were walking with John the Baptist, it was like, oh, this is the Lamb of God. I'm going to follow him. But for other people, Levi... We just read the account of Levi, right? Levi didn't know who he was. If he was a tax collector, chances are, even though he was Jewish, he was probably more versed in money and uh, Roman culture because he was a tax collector. Because keep in mind, in, in ancient Judaism, they, they didn't pay taxes like we think about it. The tithe was their tax. So this guy who's, who is very clearly Jewish of Jewish descent, I mean, he's Levi, right? Probably the, son of Le probably the son of a Levite. And he's working in the Roman field, secular field, picking up money. This guy comes by and says, hey, follow me. All right, great. Where are we going? Where do you want to go? I got some friends at my house. All right, cool, let's go there. Make a dinner. Invite all your friends over. Right? Sometimes we make it really hard, but like <clears throat> if you meet someone and they're willing to invite you into their home to hang out, they're not a believer or they just got saved, and they're like, I got a bunch of these other friends, man, don't shy away. Don't shy away. Let's make this practical. Let's get as many on the hook as we can, right? Throw out a bigger net. <clears throat> I, mean, I think one of the things that kind of helped me understand some of these scriptures that some follow me, they immediately, you know, you think just reading this, and I've thought this for years, they just kind of blindly stepped up and followed this guy. Yeah. I, I don't know if any of y'all have looked at that series, Chosen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I take it it's historically in context. I think these people did a lot of research before they put all of this together. But they show in there, um, which really helped me, was how Jesus' reputation had already gone before him. Mm -hmm. And then somebody like Levi yeah. had been watching the impact that he had on these fishermen because these fishermen had to come forward and pay their taxes. Yeah. So he knew these fishermen anyway. And then to see them be drawn by this guy, um, it's not that... It helped me to understand that they just weren't in the blind making the decision. Well, okay, well, this guy said, follow me, I'm going to follow. There's a lot yeah. that went into that. Mm -hmm. So how does that apply to us? I think about 
our reputation has to go before us yeah. when we're out on the streets. Yeah. People need to know who we are, why we're there, where our motivation is. So. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And I mean, I think uh, that's... Uh, <clears throat> The great thing about Jesus being the Son of God is that his reputation spread pretty quick once things started to happen. Especially since at that time, the Holy Spirit wasn't doing a lot of miracles until Jesus showed up again, right? Like 400 years of silence. Um, for us, in an area that has been churched to some degree, has been hurt by the church, um, or things they know what church is, things they know what the Bible, right? It's a little bit different. Um, one of my friends, or one of my employees, actually, um, who used to do drugs in this neighborhood, still has friends here, and actually said that, uh, she, I was driving her around the other day, and she said, I know exactly who you are now. And I was like, what do you mean? She, says, you're the, she said, you're those crazy white pastors in Highland Park that actually care about the neighborhood. And I said... Oh, okay. How do you know that? And she was like, I got friends in the neighborhood. You guys got a reputation. And I said, well, that's good. Cool. Is it good? It's no bad things, right? You would tell me if they're bad things. And she was like, no, it's all good. Um, all good things. So I was like, all right, cool. But, you know, I, I say that to say, you're right. Our reputation, need, our, <clears throat> our reputation in an area like this needs to precede us, especially after all the racial tension from 2020 and 2021. Um, you know, uh, because we're not looking to be white saviors. We're looking to preach the kingdom, bring the kingdom, and empower everyone to, to take care of each other because of the Holy Spirit, right? And so, um, you know, I think, I think you're right. Um, so, let's... Uh, Let's keep going. Let's look at John 1, because I think John 1 is, is really cool, too. Um, well, let me finish my thought process on Levi first. If you are able to get someone uh, saved in a community that is vastly unreached, or think they know about Jesus but don't know a lot about Jesus, and you get invited to one of those parties, if you get invited to one of those hangouts, you know, um, even if it's just to be the designated driver for a little bit, yeah. take the chance, take the opportunity, just very practically. Like you don't have to partake in anything that they're doing, but it's okay for you to be in, in the midst of sinners. It's okay for you to be in the midst of people that are doing not so great things. If you can be a light there, because you don't know how the Lord is going to use you in those moments, especially if you're willing to admit that you're uncomfortable, but you want to learn how to have a deeper relationship with him and be more obedient. Um, when I was in the music scene, I can't tell you how many people I ministered to while they were drunk and while they were high. And I, I, I would just bring them. I would take them with me. I would grab them by the hand and I was like, hey, we're going to a prayer meeting. And I would bring them to the brewer's house. And while everyone else was having a good time inside with the Holy Spirit, we were having a good time outside with the Holy Spirit. I was just waiting for the Holy Spirit to sober them up so they knew what, they, what was happening. Um, and because I was around that stuff so often, I just and growing up with an alcoholic dad, I just wasn't scared of it. I just, I didn't care. Um, no, okay, I take that back. I cared a little bit because of some trauma. But when I saw a person in need, 
for the sake of the gospel, it didn't matter to me, especially if I knew I could get them, if they were willing to come with me. That's all it took. If they were willing to come with me and hang out, that's all I cared about. And so um, I think when we talk, man, we're not even in Acts yet, and it's already 8 o'clock. Dang it. All right. Um, I would encourage you with this. If they are willing to come with you or they are willing to invite you in, take the chance. Do it. Especially here. I mean, you might walk into some weird stuff here. I don't know. I, I like, I'll be honest. I don't know where the dealers live. I have some ideas prophetically. I don't know where the gang members live. Have some ideas uh, from prophetic utterances and, and other things. <laughs> uh, you know, um, have some ideas, right? Like, I think we all have some ideas. Um, but we're looking for a person of peace that's willing to accept the fact that we're Christians and they want our prayers. Right? Now, I'm not saying don't go into super dangerous situations that you're super uncomfortable with. The Holy Spirit is like giving you a gut feeling, a gut check, like walk away. Right? Like, I'm not saying put yourself in danger. Um, but what I am saying is follow the leading. Take the chance. Right? Um, when, we look at, uh, when we look at how Jesus... Um, well, that brings me to my next point. The first disciples in John 1, right? Uh, they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, come and see. I'll show you where I'm staying right now. Come and hang out with me for the night. And they all spent the night there. Jesus got him into a, a building, closed the door, locked it for the night, and said, you're stuck with me. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry. Did sound a little creepy, didn't it? So, but I mean, but I mean, think about it. They're willing to go with him. Yeah. If there's a, if we're, if we're ministering to somebody, especially like on a, on a, on a food pantry morning, because for the most part, people might come a little hungover, but usually the habits don't start until later in the evening, right? If you get them to come and hang out and they want to hang out for a little while and you can drive them around for a little bit, get them in a place where you're just kind of stuck with them one-on-one, get to know them, get to know their life. Talk to them. Figure out what's going on. You know? Be Jesus to them. Um, right? And then the next thing is just prophetic words, man. Yeah. If you get a prophetic inkling for someone, look, if you get a prophetic inkling for someone, even if it's wrong, take the chance. I will tell you all day. If you come to me and you're like, I think I got a prophetic word for this person, but I don't know them and I don't know if it's going to be right. Good. Go give it to them. Say, hey, I'm learning how to hear from the Holy Spirit. Can, I, I, felt like I, had, I felt like you told me something about your life. Can I share it? That's dead wrong. Oh, dang it. Well, you know, uh, I'm learning how to hear from the Holy Spirit. Do you know who the Holy Spirit is? See how quickly that flips around? Easy, man. Get them on the hook. I'm not saying that they're always going to take the bite, but, man, keep presenting it. How can we keep repackaging this? How can we love people into the kingdom? You know, when we're doing direct evangelism like that, like, real easy. That's how I like to do things. I like to lead things <laughs> with prayer and go from there. Um, but sometimes it's not about that. Sometimes we have to earn the right to share the gospel with someone by discipling them in the moment. Or by discipling them over time. Like, when we're in our workplaces, right? Like, that's how we do things. That's how I do things, typically. Um, that's why I have people coming on and off um, all the time here. But... Um, 
take the time to slow down for the one person. In each of these instances, Jesus, he slows down to pick his disciples. And in fact, I don't remember in which gospel it's in. I think it might be in Luke, but it actually says that he spent all night praying about who his disciples would be and then went and picked them out from there. Um, so in preparation to learning how to make disciples and like talking to people here in the neighborhood or talking to people in your workplace, I also want to ask you, besides how do you make them a disciple, how often are you praying for them? If God's put someone on your heart, if he's given you a target, man, let that bullseye be on their back and hit them with prayer every day. Jesus stayed up all night praying for who the 12 were going to be, and one of them still ended up deceiving him. If they're going to hurt you, they're going to hurt you. No big deal. There's the shield of faith. You've got a community. We'll help you. We'll get you healed. We'll help you learn how to not take offense to your heart and not grow bitter, right? We'll work through it together. But when it comes to taking the chance, let's take the chance. Let's pray for people. Let's do it. Um, all right, so uh, having called men, Jesus made a practice of spending time with them. This was the essence of his entire training program. He was letting his disciples follow him. Knowledge of Christ was gained by association before it was understood by explanation. I think that's big. When we go out and we look to make disciples, they gain knowledge about who we are and who Jesus is first by association and seeing what we're doing, that, that aspect of reputation. And then things are explained. Jesus had a show and then tell way of explaining the gospel of the kingdom. The way that we present the gospel is it only show so that people don't actually hear the gospel because in order to get saved, you have to hear the gospel. Or is it only tell and ends up feeling like fire and brimstone to them so that they never want a part of it, right? We need to show and tell when we do this. Um, he ate with his disciples he slept near his disciples, he talked with them, and he walked with them for most of his active ministry years. And although there is no commandment to commit to such level, um, it seems convincing to me that Jesus shows how important relationship development is to growing a disciple. It does not just happen. The disciple may feel, uh, if this does not happen, the disciple may feel like a project and not a person. Mm -hmm. And the person should know that he is loved not only by Christ, but by his body. I can't tell you how many people when I was leading youth groups left because or got mad at me because they felt like I was treating them like a project to be fixed rather than a person to be loved. And what I love about Jesus in his years of doing ministries, you know, there, there was a time where he spoke the truth and people got it, right? And we see that throughout Scripture. But what we don't see is how many hours he sat with them. How many hours did he just sit with them? How many hours did he just do life with them? How many hours did he spend dining with them, um, showing them who he was and how much he cared? Right? How do we make disciples? We show them that we care. We show them that we care. Sometimes... And I think this is the way that things are, for the most part, in the Western Hemisphere right now, right? Because people are so quick to accept their sin and not be ashamed by it. 
right? Or they are ashamed and they know how to numb themselves. So sometimes when we preach the gospel now, people aren't just like, they're not willing, right? So we need to show them a better way first. Um, and I think that's important for how we make disciples here. We need to show them a better way, like, you know, uh, Butch and, um, you know, Debbie and Alan and Cindy and Henry, you guys have been here for a long, long time showing people who you are and you guys have reputations in the community now, you know, whether it's for being great intercessors, whether it's for being the caring person who's going to lift them down at the thrift store, whether it's been the person in the back who can fix anything, so just bring it to them, you know, or uh, Butch being kind of the silent defender on the streets looking out for everybody all the time. Like, you guys have a reputation, yeah. and people listen to you when you speak here. That's something that we, younger people, we need to learn about. We need to learn what it's like to be committed to something for 18 years and watch it grow. Even if it's going to grow slow. It's okay if it grows slow. Healthy things grow slow. Right? Sometimes when ministries, well, I'm not even going to get into that. What, what matters is that we need to learn. We need to be discipled in faithfulness. How many of us have stuck with something for 18 years? Besides being the children of our parents, which I don't know if that really counts, right? Like, I think we're all over 18 here. And, <laughs> and sometimes we even choose to walk away from them. So, you know. Right? But, I mean, how quickly do we, in our generation, how quickly is their job turnaround? It is crazy dumb to, as a manager. It's so crazy to see how quickly people give up their jobs. They come and they go. And I know it's just not my field. I talk to people who offer like $60,000 salaries a year to people and some people just stop showing up altogether. And they're like, well, what happened? No call, no show, can't get a hold of you, you're fired, I guess. Like, I, don't, I can't even offer that. We don't make enough money to offer that. But, you know, we still have people that just end up being no call, no shows. They're from my generation. They're from the generation younger than us, right? We need to learn. And I think that most of us, I like... I think that most of us are faithful, right? This is our kind of our core group of people minus Henry and Sherry, right? But like we have, we have so many people still, and I mean even talking to Pastor Sterling about this earlier today, so many people that show up for a couple weeks and then fall off and then you never hear from them again. And, um, you know, like that's a big thing, right? So... We need to learn what it's like to be sit here for 18 years and build reputations and plant seeds. And I mean, uh, I just want to honor you guys for a second. You guys have planted so many seeds and we're starting to reap some of them, but I think that there's going to be more. We just have to get on the same page and know what we're doing and keep the vision in front of us, right? We have to overcome our own personal fears, no matter what they might be. Talking to strangers, praying for strangers, walking in the power of God, not seeing people get healed, you know, uh, being scared of racism, you know. I've been open about that. That's like the one thing that I'm scared of at times is being called a racist. But more and more and more, I'm like, I don't even care anymore. Like, I'm getting to that point to where I'm just like, oh, you're limping. Let's just pray. You know, like, let's start the conversation. Let's just jump into it, you know. Um, let's connect. What fears are we overcoming so that we can be doing these things? You know, and then also on top of that, how are we letting ourselves be discipled? I know that I've said, find someone that has something that you want to grow in and 
let them disciple you. But it's more than just that. It's more than just teaching. It's more than just sharing, oh, well, this is what the Word says about this thing. That's great. That's a great starting point. I love that. But in order to really be discipled, there has to be relationship. We have to be connecting. We have to be connecting because you can have a lot of, I mean, how many people have we met on the street that have a lot of head knowledge about the Word of God, but because there was no real relationship to Jesus or to a healthy community or to healthy people that would disciple them, there's no fruit in their life, right? How are we connecting to each other? How are we connecting to the people that we are letting disciple us? And that's why I said too, like, you know, I mean, I know, uh, you know, some of, some of our older people, you guys go to other churches too, and I love that. Good. That's awesome. You need to be getting poured into by other people because I know a lot of the times you end up serving us and being elders here and washing up for us, and I, and I love that. But, you know, for, for, for some of us younger people here, it's like get discipled by some of these guys. If not, find someone else outside of the community who has something that we need here. So that you can get discipled by them, do life with them, and bring that back. Because when you're being discipled by somebody, it's a type of covenant. And what did I say earlier? When you're in covenant with someone, their strengths rub off on you. They've got a certain touch. They've got a certain anointing in the Holy Spirit that they've learned how to tap into. You have that anointing too because you have the same Holy Spirit. You just have to learn how to tap into it. Right? So... It's almost 8.15. So I'm going to close with that because that felt like a good place to land on. Um, well, we'll land on this. This one question. I want you guys to think about this for the next couple weeks because we're going to have a lot of guest speakers coming in over the next couple weeks. Next week we're going to go out and pray, obviously, or worship. Um, you know, um, but in April and in May we're going to have, as long as they <laughs> wrote it on their calendars because they're busy people, we're going to have a lot of guest speakers come in and they're going to pour into us. I want us to be discipled as a church too. If we get too much of the same thing over and over and over again, like there's a big chance we might become stagnant and that's not what I want. So this is with Kate and I potentially taking a break and maybe even parts of June too, depending on what's going on with us adjusting to baby number two, right? Like this is a perfect time for people outside of our, of our sphere to come in and pour into us and show us that there's more out there and, sh- and give us ideas of what would be good for us to bring back to this community. Um, <clears throat> so, what, and with this, what are you doing to build relationships? What are you doing to build relationships? Um, <clears throat> threefold. With us, church community, right? We are, the, we, are, we are our community. What are we doing to build relationships here? What are we doing to build relationships with people that we think can help us grow and would help disciple us? What are we doing to build relationships with people that need to be discipled? Subcategory. Those two peoples are people who are not believers, people who are believers but don't know enough and are hungry. That makes sense? Awesome. Let's pray. Abba Father, we come before you right now just in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for what your word says about discipleship. I thank you for Jesus' example of how to disciple people. Lord, Abba, I pray that through your Holy Spirit and through your word, the words of Jesus, you would teach us how to build relationships in a healthy way. That you would teach us how to leverage those relationships to bring people into your kingdom. 
that uh, that's, the, that's, that's the number one thing. That's the thing that matters is getting them into your kingdom, um, bringing them to that point of salvation because that's the open door that leads them into all the blessing. That's the open door that leads them into um, <clears throat> community and real relationships, relationships with people that care, that don't just want to use them for what they have but actually care about what's, what's going on in their lives and will help them heal through your Holy Spirit, will help them um, renew their minds through your word. Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to, how to leverage the positions we have in our lives to preach the gospel both in our actions and with our words because the gospel is proclaimed. The gospel is something that needs to be proclaimed. The gospel of your kingdom is something that needs to be proclaimed. We need to be able to proclaim that Jesus uh, came and died for our sins, but that's just the first part. That's the part that most Americans focus on, but that's not all of it. He came to die for our sins so that we could be anointed with your Holy Spirit, baptized with your Holy Spirit so that we could die with him to sin and rise with him in new life um, and so that we could spread your kingdom here on the earth um, through signs, through wonders, through miracles, through relationships, through community, um, through real community, tight community, um, where we know that we can depend on each other, Lord. So I just thank you for uh, what you're doing. I thank you for all the people that are here. There are so many gifts here. There's so many talents here. Um, there's so many things to learn about faithfulness, about the prophetic, about healing, about mercy ministry, about um, logistics, about being givers. Um, Lord, I just thank you that there's so much here, uh, even entrepreneurial gifts. Lord, I thank you. Um, I pray that you would continue to teach us each and every day so that we can love Highland Park well and be able to, at the end, present it back to you and say, you know, when you ask us, what do we do with our lives? We can say, I dedicated it to, to your kingdom and building Highland, building your kingdom in Highland Park. Um, so Lord, we just thank you and we give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. We pray that you experienced the Holy Spirit in revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you've been impacted by our ministry and would like to make a financial contribution or you'd like to partner with us to reach the Highland Park community, visit us at www.myhpcc.net. We'll see you next time.